Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Brady Clawford, Warriors writer for SB Nation. During our conversation, we went in-depth on what James Wiseman's knee injury means, not just for him, but for the organization as a whole. Brady, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Um, I've been wanting to have you on for a while, to be honest with you. Uh, I think a lot of our listeners out there, a lot of our my readers out there are probably familiar with your work, your phenomenal follow on Twitter. You have great uh, insight on SBNation.com about the Warriors. I, I really appreciate how you go about it, your writing style. It's very informational, but also very uh, conversational, which I appreciate. Obviously, when I reached out to you a couple of days ago, we were going to talk about probably just how the Warriors are at some somewhat of an impasse in their in their organization in the history of their franchise. Well, you know, we ha- we have to change gears a little bit given yesterday's news that James Wiseman uh, has uh, a meniscal tear uh, in his right knee. Um, it, he has not officially been ruled out for the rest of the season, but um, I'm. 90 to 95 percent sure he will not play another game this season if you just look at the if you look at the the typical recovery time for something like this it's usually somewhere at least at least in the four to six week range um and the Warriors have five weeks left in their season and and the Warriors tend to be pretty cautious with injuries in general but especially with someone as important to the future of their franchise as James Wiseman so uh, I fully expect him to give him more than enough time, uh, more than the time he needs to, to come back fully healthy. And I think the, the mindset right now just needs to be, okay, can you come back uh, fully healthy by the start of the offseason so that you can have a full offseason um, under, under your belt? Because I honestly think this upcoming offseason is going to be so important for him and and maybe even more important, arguably, than the final 19 games of this season. What do you, given the fact that, um, you know, he's probably out for this season, what do you, what do you think uh, is a realistic hope for him? And, and what are you, what do you think he can get out of this upcoming offseason? Yeah, it, it's, it's the most fascinating question to me surrounding this team, you know, by far, uh, is what is the offseason going to look like for him? And, and how is he going to come into next year? Because, you know, it's easy to think of all the things he missed in this pandemic rookie season with not having a normal off season. He misses training camp after having the coronavirus obviously has, you know, the wrist injury and then the health and safety protocol. And, and now this injury. Um, but the other part of it, that's kind of, I think gone a little bit unspoken is any potential effects that he's still dealing with from the coronavirus that, you know, maybe we don't know about uh, it. I think there's a possibility that he is still dealing with some some side effects, whether it's just conditioning or, or fatigue or whatnot. And so hopefully he has the ability to just fully recover both from that and from the injury and, and hit the ground running in the offseason. Because I think we see a lot of times with players at this age, you get an offseason, like you said, that's more important than the final 19 games of the season when it comes to development if you have a full off season with the tutelage of some of the warriors coaches, we could see a leap from him. Um, we also could see him just kind of stagnate. That wouldn't, wouldn't be unprecedented either, but uh, it's not that rare for a player, his age and his experience level to just take an enormous step forward 
over the course of one off season, if they're able to actually spend that full off season in the gym with the team, knowing what they need to be working on, having a full plan. Uh, I don't think it's crazy to think that he could come into next season looking like um, a quality starting center in the NBA. And that needs to be the priority for him and for the team. I think that's a bigger question mark than what Clay Thompson will look like. I think it's a bigger question mark than what they do with the Minnesota pick or any other offseason moves they make. Uh, I think a lot of their future, both short-term and long-term, kind of depends on what is the play, the difference between the player we last saw and the player we next saw, presumably in, in the winter or so. Yeah. If, if, if his season is in fact over, I'm, I'm going to always remember this season as the James Wiseman season, because um, he has been the most important storyline throughout the season. I think there's been a lot of like secondary and tertiary uh, storylines that have come from the main one, which which is his development. I think there's been, I do think there's some truth to the rumblings that uh, there was some disagreement in the front office about how to use him. Um, I have my personal opinions about how the Warriors handle have handled his development up into this point. I think they could have done a lot of things better to make life easier on him. Um, but I agree with you. This upcoming off season is going to be so important, and I. I am working on a bigger series on James chronicling his rookie season. And one thing his mom told me recently was that James already cannot wait for the off season to, to train with Kevin Garnett. Um, You know, there had been the quotes from Kevin Garnett uh, earlier in the season saying that he'd love to work with James. Well, they actually have reached out to each other and they do have plans to work together this summer. And um, I think, I mean, I might be getting ahead of myself here, but I think the Warriors could really benefit from having someone of KG's caliber working with, with James on a regular basis, it, even if it was in some sort of consulting capacity, like, like Steve Nash, um, you know, the, the two player development coaches that the Warriors have working with, with James, they're both really quality young assistants and Chris DeMarco and Theo Robertson. But I think he'd really benefit from someone who's kind of been through what he's been through someone like a Kevin Garnett or, you know, Dwight Howard, who's obviously still in the league, but like guys like that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't, <laughs> there've been those rumblings about, Oh, Steve should get fired. Steve's not going anywhere guys. <laughs> fired. But I do think that um, I do think that they could benefit from some changes, maybe to the coaching staff, um, making things easier on, on James. Um, and the part of what made the timing of no, injuries like this never have good timing, but part of what made the timing of this so heartbreaking was that he was just starting to, I don't want to say breakthrough because we don't know if that's what it was yet, but uh, it felt like he was finally starting to find his footing a little bit. And um, more importantly, I thought that Steve finally had, had, had simplified the offense and put James in somewhat of a position to succeed and thrive. My one thing I was kind of harping on, on the pod about past couple of weeks was they really need to to make things easier on James. They need to introduce more high pick and rolls with Steph. They need to put him in positions to succeed because the truth is he's just not a great fit for this read and react system. Now I know there's a huge learning curve that goes along with that, but the reason he didn't get better to me over the course of the season beyond the interruptions in his development was because he's just not a good fit for the system. And I don't think that's going to change going forward because you don't suddenly become a great passer 
in the league. That it's not that's not how passing works. Passing is something that you're not born with, but you 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 develop at a young age. You know, Draymond Green's been an elite passer since he was in middle school. Um, you know, Steph has always been a good passer, um, even though he wasn't really known as a, a point guard until the end of his Davidson days. Um, and so I just don't think that uh, James is that true passing big man that the Warriors normally want in the system, like a David West or or that type of player. And so um, they need to change the offense for him. And it felt like Steve was starting to do that and it was working. And I think they need to continue to lean into that going forward. Yeah, I fully agree. I mean, I think that that win over Milwaukee was, was while overrated because I think people kind of saw it as too big of a turning point, given that they beat a Giannis Antetokounmpo less Bucks team. I think we saw a lot of things on offense that were a sign of what the Warriors need to do if they want to have that level of success going forward. And, and they did simplify things. They did put him in more high pick and rolls. Uh, and it's kind of funny. I, f- I feel like the Warriors fan base is, is very upset that Kerr doesn't run more high pick and rolls for Steph. And it kind of tends to be focused on wanting to have the ball in Steph's hands more. And, and that's kind of where the anger is from. But so many of the players on this team, I think, would just benefit from that more. It's not, it's not just about getting more looks and more time with the ball in Steph's hands. It's about making things more simple for James Wiseman and also Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre and, and other players who have Yeah, even someone like Eric Pascal, you know, like yeah. there's a lot of these guys that um, – there's several of these guys that I don't think are natural fits for the Warriors system. Um part of why the system worked so perfectly during the dynastic years is because the the key players on that, those teams were completely perfect fits. Um, maybe Kevin Durant aside, but Kevin Durant's Kevin Durant. Um, you know, he, he can be elite in any system. Um, but uh, all those other guys, you know, Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, those guys <clears throat> were perfect fits. And, you know, in the NBA, you have to evolve and adapt. And um, that's how, the Spurs have been re- were relevant for so long. You know, that's how the Patriots and the NFL were relevant for so long. Um, and I think this is an enormous challenge Steve's facing. But um, let's look back a little bit on, on James's rookie season. Um, because, like I said, I do think that he's played his last game as a rookie for the Warriors. Um, what – how would you categorize – this season in terms of judging it, would you, would you call it a disappointment? Would you call it, uh, you know, would you say that maybe people's expectations were just too high entering the season and this is what should have been expected? What do you think? Truthfully, I think there were more modest expectations until that opening night loss against the Nets where the team was horrible, but he had a pretty strong game, at least from, you know, a pure per game stats standpoint um he looked more ready than i expected especially given the fact that he had missed you know the entirety of training camp and i think that kind of put people's expectations a bit higher than than they should have been um i don't i don't think it's quite fair to classify him as a disappointment uh i think if anyone is disappointed in his season i think they just had too high of expectations uh but I mean, the reality is, I know it gets harped on all the time, but, you know, three games in college, 19 years old, you miss training camp. 
the Warriors might have acted like they were expecting him to step in and be a strong contributor from day one, but there's no historical precedent for a 19-year-old center with essentially no collegiate experience to be a good player as a rookie. There's there's just no precedent for that whatsoever. Even if you look at you know players like Carl Anthony Towns, who was older and had college experience, you know, he was impressive as a rookie, more impressive than Wiseman has been, but he wasn't good. He wasn't helping teams win games. Um, so I don't think it's a disappointment from that standpoint. I think if there is a, dis- a disappointing element to it, it's kind of the things you hit on that the Warriors took a kind of questionable route towards his development. And those red flags and question marks that we had before the season, which were primarily based on not being a fit in the read and react system. Uh, I didn't see anything through the course of the year from Wiseman or from the Warriors suggested to me that that's not going to continue being the case. Uh, so he either needs to to find some way to develop more to fit that, or the Warriors need to find some ways to, like you said, evolve better to fit him. Um, so you know, I think he was he was impressive. He was very clearly a rookie who has a lot of issues. Um, I think working with Kevin Garnett would be a, a dream fit for him just because, to me, what jumps off the page when I watch him is a lack of aggression. Uh, he, he doesn't go after rebounds. He tends to want to move away from the basket offensively rather than towards it. He has some defensive uh, instincts, but resorts to fouling rather than aggressively being in position. And then you take a guy like KG, who is, you know, I think you could argue the most aggressive, intense player in NBA history. Um, and I think that's a, a good fit to help him develop some of those things. Um, but I'll admit, I was very, 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 very low on Wiseman going into the draft, going into the season. Anyone who follows, follows my Twitter uh, I think probably you and I were probably it. the lowest of anyone yeah. that covers. Yeah, we were both. I was also very low on him. And and I think we both made proclamations that we would be very surprised if if the Warriors ended up going this route. Um, well, I said that, you know, before that October workout. and that's Right, that changed things. Started to change. But, um, you know, anyone who believes that this team was set on Wiseman from the get-go is, is in, incorrect. Um they they had their own reservations about James, um, even when they drafted him. You know, I think a lot of people assume when when you when you draft the number two pick that you're all in on the guy and you think he's going to be this 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 superstar. And the Warriors definitely believe that he had a chance to be that, um, but they didn't love anyone in this draft. Like there wasn't anyone that they were absolutely infatuated with that they thought like had to be the number two pick um and i think that they felt you know what he is he does feel somewhat of a positional need for us um he kind of just makes the most sense and we like his makeup we like the type of person he is we like how he carries himself we like his work ethic those things matter um and so they kind of they kind of sold themselves on him late in the pre-draft process i would say they they weren't really leaning his way until the the final month in the lead up to the draft. Um, so, you know, and, and they did get some decent offers, I believe in, on draft day in the lead up to the draft for the number two pick, but, but they decided to stick with James because of the upside. 
Um, I think if you talk to people in the organization and they were being honest with you entering the season, the hope was that he, okay, he's going to have his rookie season. He's going to have his growing pains. Hopefully by the end of this rookie season, he's starting to look like a dominant force in this league. And by next season, he can be, you know, not necessarily an all-star caliber player, but, you know, a legitimate bona fide uh, starting center for a winning team who is going to help you on both ends and be a key factor going forward. Um, and the if we're going to talk about the word disappointment. I think that's the only the thing that I would say is disappointing. It's not necessarily what we saw from him uh, on, on a on a micro level this season. It's more the macro outlook. It's I'm not I'm not convinced that we saw enough to believe uh, that he can be a true major pop difference maker in a positive sense next season. Um, I I believe he's at least two years away from that, um, which which doesn't really align perfectly with with what the Warriors timeline is. I mean. Time is kind of of the, of the essence here. Steph's thirty three. Um, you have both Draymond and Clay who are in their early thirties. They 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 wanted to believe that they could vault back into title contention next season. And I don't think that uh, James is going to be ready to to play the role he would need to play for that to happen. I also don't think the rest of the team is. You know, like I, the the bench isn't anywhere near where it needs to be. They don't have the role guys they need. Um, there's just so many flaws with this roster that um, I don't I don't see a world where even with a healthy Clay, let's say hypothetically Clay could return in the season opener and be 100 percent healthy, which probably isn't going to happen. But if he did, I still don't see a world where they're like a title, a legitimate title contender next season. Which to me raises bigger questions about like what what they should do this offseason, what whether or not they should make a big move. The thing is, if they did make a big move, James would almost definitely need to be involved in that. And so that raises another question is like, are you willing to to part with with James right now? Um, even if it if, if it does mean get help getting some sort of all star caliber guy. So there's just there's so much uncertainty. There's so many questions right now. But um, I <clears throat> basically um, I I'm I'm not. I'm not convinced that he's the answer. Um, now that could change, you know, and that's that's why it's unfortunate that he might not have these final 19 games because you, you talk about Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett really came into his own toward the final 20 games of his rookie season, over an 82 game season. That was really when he started to look like Kevin Garnett. You know, the first half of his season, he looked like a 19 year old who didn't know what he was doing, and then the light bulb came on, and he kind of figured things out and started to look dominant. And you know, if James started to do that toward the end of the season, the narrative would be totally different going into to next season, into the off season and into next season. So it's just so unfortunate that he's not going to have that potentially. Yeah. I mean, is this going to be a really intriguing and difficult off season already for the Warriors? Uh, and, and now you have one more uncertainty that you were hoping you didn't have. Um, it's just one less data point for them to have going into, going into the off season. And like you said, if they, if they want to make a big move, it probably includes him. And now teams that you're trying to negotiate with don't have that data point either because it would be great if he showed over the final 19 games that that he's ready to contribute, not just because that would help the Warriors, but 
because if the right trade comes around, he's that much more valuable than he is right now. But now he's a question mark to the Warriors and to the rest of the league. We'll have more of my conversation with Brady Claffer right after the break. The trade value for him at number two, and everyone knew that he was probably going to be available at number two. So if someone really wanted him badly in that draft, they could have given some crazy package for the to the Warriors that they couldn't have turned down uh, to, to have the chance to draft him at number two. Um, the market value for him entering the draft wasn't that high, uh, especially, you know, it was pretty low considering it was a number two pick. And um, I'm not sure if the market value is much higher now. I mean, you like we said, he, you saw flashes of someone who could be great, but um, <clears throat> I think that the low lights outweighed the highlights. Um, you know, you look at his, his numbers at the end of the season and they were uh, – they actually looked better than they than I think his actual performance was. I mean, if you just look at the traditional numbers, the Warriors like to bring up the fact that he averaged more points and fewer minutes than Kevin Garnett averaged as a rookie. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but it's not all about how many points you're averaging. It's about how you're serving winning. And uh, they were a worse team with him on the floor, like significantly worse. Um, and it's – largely because he he didn't figure out how to play with Steph. Um he's like we said he's not a passing big man. He he doesn't he hasn't figured out how to to execute kind of the nuanced reads of the system. He hasn't figured out how to to execute those dribble handoffs that are so important to the system and then defensively I think he was all over the place. Um he really struggled with his rotations and just didn't really know where to be um defensively. And the thing that's concerning to me is that look once again, you got to keep context into take context into account here. But this isn't someone who's lazy. This isn't a Kwame Brown situation. Who Kwame Brown just had no heart and didn't care. <laughs> uh, this isn't one of those situations. This is a guy who is studying more film than anyone. Who's as hardworking as anyone. Who cares deeply. Who has a high personal standard. Who's spending his free time looking at vision boards and trying to be great and doing all these things. Um, yet it just wasn't really translating to games. And um, it's almost like the comparison I've made before is it's like that kid in class. And, you know, I definitely had subjects where I was this kid. Uh, when I remember when I took calculus my senior year, I should not have been taking calculus. I was not good at math, <laughs> but I was in calculus my senior year of high school. And I, um, I could not understand it like for the life of me. And I would, study for hours every night and then I would go in and bomb the test still and it was the most frustrating thing ever because I I was doing what I thought was everything I could be doing to be great at this subject and I still just could not figure it out and that was James Wiseman this season and so um, you know you hope that the light bulb is going to go on but you never know maybe he's just not an elite player in this league like we don't know <laughs> you know and so um it's uh, it's it's going to be fascinating to see, but honestly, so much of this franchise's trajectory comes down to these questions. Yeah, which is not an ideal place to be as an organization to to have so much of your future come down to those questions because, like you said, we don't know. And and I mean, just if you look at the odds, you know, historically, you just don't expect a number two pick in what's considered a weak draft to be a 
a franchise changing player as 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 hard as that is to kind of think about we, we i think we tend to think of like oh top five picks this is a huge deal uh number two picks are are hit or miss in pretty much any year and this is a year where yeah. the draft was not considered strong and if you look at you know a lot of you know draft analysts and draft experts and whatnot most of them were pretty low on on james wiseman uh i think the Warriors they were also low on LaMelo Ball. They were also low on LaMelo Ball. That's that's a fair point. Um, but you know, it's like it it's not like this was a guy who everyone was screaming, oh, he's gonna he's gotta be a top pick the way that you know a Towns or a Embiid or a Anthony Davis or something was. This this was a guy who had question marks coming into the draft, uh, and he still has those question marks, and there's there is no guarantee or anything even close to it uh, that things are going to come together. We, we see that every year with a lot of players. The thing for me that's concerning is I just, I don't know if he has a great feel for the game. Yeah. That, that is why I was so adamant that I didn't think the Warriors would draft him uh, because how many, how many players since Steve Kerr has, has come along, how many big men have the Warriors picked up either in the off season or, you know, 10 day contracts, whatever, how many big men have have come through and just not been able to figure out how to play at the Warriors' speed, how to make the reads quickly enough with that offensive set, and then they're just let go? Uh, it, it's been a lot of players, uh, and I had that worry about him coming in. Admittedly, I'm I'm not a big draft person. I don't watch a lot of college basketball, uh, but what I had watched of him and and what I'd read of him from from other people. I I was very hesitant to think that he would be able to to be able to stay up with the system, to make the right reads, to make the right decisions, to make them quickly enough. Uh, and for all of the things he's done that are impressive, I remain unconvinced that that he can do that with this team. I do, I do too. And you know, there's there's this is going to be a critical offseason for James himself, but it's also going to be a critical offseason in terms of how the Warriors map out the rest of his development plan. Cause I think what you saw a lot this season was we talked a lot about James's learning curve uh, for, and there were obvious reasons why he had such a steep learning curve, but the Warriors had a steep learning curve here. Um, Steve Kerr's staff has never had a player like James Wiseman, not even in, in on multiple levels. They've never had a player like James Wiseman. Entering this season, Steve had never had to develop a rookie who had been drafted before the 28th pick in the draft. Um, and he had never had a rookie who was genuinely important to the future of the franchise. Um, and la- I think last season was, I mean, I, I think Steve, I-, I think Steve's a great coach in a lot of respects, but people forget that he has not coached very long. You know, he's only in his seventh year of coaching at any level. And uh, you know, there's something to be said for on-the-job training, on-the-job coaching experience. And his first five seasons uh, was a lot about fostering a joyful locker room, uh, you know, guarding against complacency, managing ego. Last season, he didn't need to worry about winning at all. So this is the first season where he's had to juggle a desire to win with developing young players. And I think he's struggled mightily with that uh, specifically with, with James, cause he's obviously the most important uh, young player they're developing. And um, 
you know, I think, I think that with a young player, it's really important to uh, have consistent messaging uh, for the, for the young player to know where his spots are going to be, what his lineups are going to be, what his rotation patterns are going to be. I think they needed to make a decision early in the season, really entering the season and stick with it until he gave you strong reason to adjust. Um, And they, they didn't do that. Yeah, it was, it was very weird to me that they committed to making him the starter on opening night after not having a training camp. And then despite doing that, benched him after what, 20 games? Um, No, less than that, I guess. Um, 15 or so, whatever. That's just a weird, that's a weird approach to take because I agree. You need some consistency uh, for, for a player of that age and that experience level, whether it's him coming off the bench from day one until he earns a starting role or him being given the starting role and being allowed to play through his mistakes, being allowed to play through the team losing more games than they should. Uh, I think they tried to toe the line a little bit um, as they have for kind of the whole season. And when you toe the line, a lot of times you just end up not committing in either direction. And that to me has been the, the biggest issue for the Warriors this year is they've just kind of tried to play to the middle and they haven't committed in one way or the other. And I think that's on full display with, with him. Cause that's just, that's just a weird thing to do to a rookie to just throw them into the yeah. deep end of the pool and then pull them right back out. I think, I think, I think Steve would admit this, that I think they got overly excited. Like they, they, he, you know, they saw the raw athleticism. They, they saw the physical tools in a couple practices and they have never had a player like that before. Uh, and they just got excited and just threw him in there. And uh, I think the fact that he actually had two really good games to start the season ended up being to his detriment because it, it created a an unfair expectation, not just from fans and, and analysts, but from the actual organization itself. And, um, you know, I think in retrospect, I'm pretty convinced that the Warriors would have been best off just – taking a, a slower approach to him from the get-go, easing him in slowly, um, taking the pressure off of him. I mean, he was most at ease this season after they moved him to the bench. Like, he was happy to move to the bench because um, the, the the pressure and the stress and the scrutiny has really taken a toll on him and his family. Um I can't blame him. I mean, he's 19 years old and I think he's handled it as well as any of us could, but, and I also think certain ways they've handled things like the way they handled the missed coronavirus test. Um, I'm not sure that was necessary to kind of, you know, make that a bigger national storyline than it needed to be. And, yeah. and to kind of publicly embarrass him in certain ways. I'm just not, I'm not sure that that was the best way to go about it. Yeah. I fully agree with that. I'm, I'm, not a big fan of those type of disciplinary actions, even when you're not dealing with a young player who has had that level of stress and that much pressure put on him. Uh, I just, to me, that feels kind of antiquated sports approach where it's like people have to be held accountable and you have to teach discipline and, and rah, rah and whatnot. And I don't feel like that's actually uh, a helpful way to help someone grow and develop and, and address their behavior and whatnot. So that, that was a weird one to me. And, and, but to your point also of, 
of moving him to the second unit and seeing some comfort level there. I think there is also an element of things really being simplified on that second unit. You know, they don't, they don't stick to the script quite as much offensively. Um, and there are just so many broken plays and so many kind of just ad-libbing and, and whatnot. And Kelly Oubre Jr. looked more comfortable when he started um, switching into that role where he was starting the second quarter. Uh, and Wiseman looked a lot more comfortable when he moved to that second unit. I, I think a lot of these players who struggle with the offensive system that the Warriors run benefit a little bit when they get to play in those second units without Steph and without Draymond and without all the structure. And it kind of starts to look like pickup basketball or summer league basketball. And, and I think they get to stop thinking a little bit in a way that's beneficial. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, look, I think the bottom line of this entire conversation is that the Warriors are in a difficult spot uh on on several levels and it's it's there's not a clear path in my mind to contention and um you know even if they did decide that they wanted to go all in right now and and get an all-star caliber play player who's that player and who do you have to give up you know i i just i'm not even sure that they can actually do that you know so uh in terms of finding someone who's like a perfect fit for playing along Steph and, and Clay and those guys. Like, I just, I'm not sure that moves out there. So I, I think at the end of the day, they have to kind of stay down the, the course they're on, which is try to bring along, try to bring along James, hope they can get the the top five pick from, uh, from Minnesota. Hope maybe you, you, you try to trade up in the draft and get someone like Jalen Suggs, who I think could be an immediate difference maker for them next season. And then just kind of roll the dice and try to, do the best you can, you know, like that's, that's where most teams in, in sports are. They're just trying to do the best they can, man. And the Warriors are seeing the real NBA right now. Yeah. It, it's kind of funny because you're right. If, if you look at it through that lens, like they're in a pretty good place. Uh, I think they're in a pretty bad place relative to what they were setting out to do and, and relative to what they thought they would be able to do. Um, but I think what they thought they were going to do was a little overly anxious. Um, but ultimately they're not in a bad place. If you look around at other professional sports teams, this is, this is just how it goes. You know, you're a, you're still a a team with a quality foundation, uh, and a move or two away from, from being really interesting. And that's not a horrible place to be, but I do think that the year, I think even with the amount of time left in the season, I think we can already say that this year was a failure in many regards towards what the team was trying to do, because I really think the only thing they were trying to do this season was end it thinking we're a health, healthy clay Thompson away from being NBA champions. And I don't think there's anything they can do in, in the final 19 games and the playing and whatnot that is going to leave them thinking that. I mean, even if they make the playoffs, the kind of the biggest benefit of making the playoffs was getting someone like James Wiseman playoff experience. Right. And he's, probably not going to be available so it's uh yeah i mean in some ways to be honest the season already feels over to me yeah yeah i mean i think it's kind of academic so i mean i'm, I'm going to continue to do my job and continue to try to do good work but yeah in terms of a in terms of like a relevant standpoint a relevant standpoint it feels over yeah i agree i mean uh i think the biggest thing they have left to play for at this point is 
uh, getting some revenue from playoff games at Chase Center. Brady, thank you so much for for joining me on the podcast. I like I said, I've been wanting to have you on for for a while now, and you more than lived up to my hopes and dreams and expectations. Uh, where where can our listeners find your stuff? Uh, you do great work, not just on the Warriors, but also the Giants, and I know the LA Sparks. Uh, where can they find your stuff? Yeah, you can you can follow me on Twitter, Brady Klopp for NBA. You can find my Warriors stuff at goldenstateofmind.com and sbnation.com. You can find my Giants stuff at mccoveychronicles.com and my Sparks work at silverscreenandroll.com. Um, and I promote some of my stuff on Twitter. So if you just follow me there, you should be able to find most of my stuff. Our thanks to Brady Coffer for joining me on the podcast. Really enjoyed all of his insight on the James Wiseman situation. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 